It's a rainy Sunday morning in the Bay State, and coming to you live from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, it's When Will It End? The Massachusetts Movie Podcast for two Bay State motherfuckers, a couple massholes. We watch the movies. We start a series. Number one, yeah, we start there. Number two, yeah, we'll take it there. Number three, we agreed early on that there had to be at least three to make it a series. So uh, we're starting a brand new series today. I'm Josh. I'm joined as ever by my co-host, my friend. Uh, and a man who is uh, boasting quite the quaff today. Uh, your hair is just uh, full Astro Boy right now. It's shooting upwards. Well, uh, there's so much to respond to there. Uh, you always do this to me. You have an intro that's lush with information that I can sort of scurry through as a, a woodland creature might. Oh, and now you're blocking your face. I get it. Okay. Yeah, my hair. Uh, let's start with the hair. I don't know, Josh. I think it's time for a cut. What do you think? Well, I mean, I, I think I need a cut, too. I, I, it's a little hard to see, but I'm just getting weird tufts. I, I have this cow lake situation yeah. where, like, there's, like, a lot of different angles here. You are you look like you're just sort of flying upward, and I kind of envy well, that. I, I got angles going on. Yeah, I mean, my I, I now shower, like, once a week after a week of work, four days of nonstop work where I'm just covered in sweat and sunscreen, and it's like... Is there a point to getting rid of it every day if it's just going to come right back? So I now have decided to just shower once a week, and I haven't done it this yet. Is, this is classic Charles logic that is like, you're older than me, man. What's the point? And you think it's not worth – you're crawling into bed. You don't want to crawl – look, I, me and Allie, my beautiful fiance. Oh, my um, God. Stop. I had to drop it. I had to drop it. I'm engaged, motherfucker. To a woman named Allison. Um, she made the point that, you know, if I'm if my skin is physically sticky from sweat, mm-hmm. I have nothing to lose by taking a five minute shower before crawling into the one place where I'm supposed to be like, you know, that's at a very peace and calm. It's an interesting proposition. Like if I'm sticky. Yeah. You remember, of course, in uh, the movie Matilda, Let's Get Sticky with Mickey, the uh, show within a show, if you will. Well, of course, I do not remember that, but continue. They cover the fella in, in glue, and he has to catch all the money <laughs> flying around the money box, and Dane DeVito's like, yeah, yeah, watch it. Uh, man, I have definitely seen Matilda, and I have no memory of that. But Let's get sticky with Mickey. I mean, that's one of the great DeVito joints. We should do a DeVito series. We can't. Why not? A, there's already a podcast that does that. Which, Wait, really? There's a I mean, DeVito-specific podcast? Oh, you just want to switch this to a DeVito-specific podcast. I'm saying we make the rules. It's our podcast. Mm. We can do a DeVito series. He's the shortest director who packs the biggest punch. Yeah, the, the what? what would that be? The density? The density of directing? He's got it. If you measure the impact of the film to the size of the director, throw Mama from the train. Oh, my God. Okay? Perhaps the greatest. Death the Smoochie, one of the most beloved comedies of the, of the aughts. I think you're just listing things that were on Comedy Central when you got home from school. That would be a great series because like, there's a canon of film that I saw at 3 o'clock in the afternoon in like 2004 that I, I really uh, – yeah, both it's of those movies. It's a safe movies. place. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Throw Mom from the Train, I don't know that anyone has seen... Like, I think if you, you sort of like when you go to like a dictionary.com or something where it like graphs the usage of words over time, I feel like zero people have seen Throw Mom from the Train. It's like There's just like a 
steep drop off and it's just been at zero since like 2008 and no one has seen it as a society we've progressed past the need for throw mama from the train and i didn't i'm not i I take no pleasure in saying that i could tell yeah it's really sad i'm emotional just talking about it now to be honest Mm. throw mama from the train i do like this so you had mentioned that we were bay state boys earlier couple assholes yeah so we got the hair out of the way i this is the first time i mean we used to talk about more like where we were First of all, I don't even know Massachusetts was the Bay State. I thought you were talking about California for a second. What are you talking about? That's the Golden State. Hence the name of the basketball team, the Golden State Warriors, because they're based in the Golden State, which is California. Hmm. Okay. Well, I just, I don't know. Everyone talks about the Bay. And normally, I feel like if you talked about the Bay Area, no one would ever really talk about Massachusetts. But you're saying if you say the Bay State. Well, the Bay Area is specific to Oakland, the metropolitan area of Oakland. The Bay State also known as Champion Land, the Commonwealth, Massachusetts, God's Country. Well, I guess the that heart was, of New England. Well, that's all true. Yeah, it should only be referred. We should change the name to God's Country or Champion Land. I remember famously there was a punk, a punk in my hometown, like a, a punk rock hero. His punk name was J Rat Bones. He sang in Bare Bones, and after the Red Sox won the World Series, he wanted to go to every <laughs> sign and on the border of Massachusetts and change it to champion land. And I thought that was Welcome the best to thing. That's land. the best idea I've ever heard. And uh, I'm, 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 I support it to this very day. I think it's great. Better than Massachusetts. I've been listening to a lot of news reports because of the pandemic and a uh, governor and Maddie Walsh and whoever, Charlie these, Baker, Charlie Baker, whoever these fucking Charlie Baker. I had a Ed Mackey come out to, to Pittsfield and say, regardless, regardless, regardless. Oh, fucking regardless. Great. Uh, they just they bandy around the word Commonwealth like it's some sort of weapon, as though we are now better than all other states because, aha, we are a Commonwealth. Well, I mean, that's just a proven fact. If you any metrics will show you that Massachusetts is number one, top dog. Right, especially number one in being called a Commonwealth. Well, also, I mean, I don't really want to bring this up, but you are a Mainer. Yeah. And of course, historically, Maine was a backwater stop it. colony of just Massachusetts. Stop it. Just stop it. So okay. I'm just saying. I mean, based on a on a 17th century caste system, you are my inferior. Yeah, but we ate lobster every fucking day. Every fucking day, lobster. Yeah, lobster is just chopping lobster. out of the sea. Get well, I've been obsessed plate. lately with uh, Ben Affleck. Of course, is one of the great New England kings, a hero <laughs> of our culture. If we were and to elect a king, it the, would be Ben Affleck. It would be Ben Affleck. See, Ben Affleck has. Ben Affleck has two Oscars, not for what you think they would be, for writing and directing, <laughs> which is insane, because th- both of those movies fucking suck ass. Uh, wait, wait, so but, it's Argo, and what was the other one? Uh, Goodwill Hunting. Him and Matt Damon wrote the oh, screenplay. Right, right, and, right. One, yeah. and, and that is a fucking terrible movie, and uh, Argo sucks ass. And I'm saying Ben Affleck has it all. He has every conventional metric of success he has excelled in. He's a very successful writer actor director he dates beautiful women he got to be batman and yet he is miserable and feels no joy and wears a mask over his nose while smoking a cigarette and pounds two donkeys regulars and the entire world had to learn what a donkeys regular was through like (laughs) photos of him with his beautiful bond girl girlfriend the wonderful uh what's her name to arnis from uh knives out and shit ben is just miserable nothing will make him happy no i think that is that's why he's the king of new england Yes, because he has it all, and he's still... And it means it's just ashes yeah. on his tongue. I think that's sort of like why... 
I think Maine humor and Massachusetts humor are so we're, we're like we are still we still fancy ourselves a part of a monarchy. We still love the idea of being repressed and like our humor. I think does match British humor and other like most of the country doesn't really like. We don't kick balls in Maine. We just talk about like boots and shit. It's just like a culture of misery, right? Famously, England is like a horrible, damp island full of just pasty, awful people who eat boiled eel and shit. Yeah, you know, I, and, and and like New England's like we eat clams, we dig them up, <laughs> we boil them, we eat the clams, and it's weird. Like it I sucks did, ass. I did that thing again where I think a really great podcast person would have been segueing into talking about the film that we want to talk about today by mentioning. Oh, I felt that. Yeah, that opportunity was there, but I really think we should blow by it. Well, yeah, because that was not my intention at all. But uh, in the same way, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to blow by it. I'm going to, I'm going to, for once, take a stand for good podcasting. This is a first. Fans, pull out your your notebooks. Sure. Mark the date. Charles made a constructive decision. Let's see how he squanders it. Please, the floor is yours. I mean, in the same way that. Uh, our humor. I think maybe that's why I liked this movie so much as a kid, because in the same way that I grew up listening to Charles, intro- say what the movie is. Don't just say this movie. Oh, they saw the title. That's not. Well, I guess you said good. you're going to take a stand for good podcasting and then refer to something obliquely, which is not good podcasting. USB thumb drive. I'm fiddling with. It's broke it. You just people. He just like it looked like you were trying to stab me with a thumb drive over your phone, which is it didn't work. Realize it, was, it, it was threatening though. I was <laughs> upset. <laughs> I felt distress. I'm sorry. It's fine. I don't want you to feel that way. Um. Yeah. Our, our uh, my the so we watched Shaun of the Dead. Actually, did you even watch Shaun of the Dead? I don't even know. I've watched Shaun of the Dead. I'm gonna ballpark 15 times. Yeah, so yeah. No, no I isn't... didn't watch it. I took. I chose a different tack for my research, and we'll uh, we'll get into that later. This isn't a test because I also sort of didn't watch it. I watched it with the commentary because this is a this is, we're doing the Cornetiverse. A series that, like, uh, honestly, is a huge part of our friendship, I think. It sort of, I mean, it didn't cement the friendship, but it was the nice, I don't know, lattice work on the house of our friendship, perhaps, or maybe a little bigger than that. I'm not really sure. I think the kind of uh, intense referentiality and meta commentary of these three movies speaks to absolute losers like us who worship film and certainly, uh, when when you read interviews with Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright and Nick Frost, uh, you really get a sense that these are – if you're listening to this podcast, those guys are probably on your squad. You yeah. know, These are our guys. They make movies about movies. They make movies that explore the structure of movies and they do things that I've honestly never really seen before in movies mm. through that, that metatextual lens. So yeah, I think this is for uh, – for losers like us, this is a pretty important touchstone in 21st century cinema. And it's 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 fun. Like, I grew up reading, uh, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It was one of my favorite books in middle school. And, you know, the, the main humor, the, the deadpan look at catastrophe as nothing more than just one more bad thing in the life of someone that's sad. And, like, the this, like, whole movie is... Yeah, that plays on lots of other movies, but down at its heart, it's like Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright were like, what would happen if a zombie invasion happened in the UK? And it's like this, like, what's his name? Bill Nighy would, would everyone react the way Bill Nighy reacts when he turns Stiff upper his, lip. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Ah. Yeah. 
Well, I thought about speaking of you know British humor. Like I was a big Terry Pratchett fan growing up. Yeah, Terry me too. Pratchett, you know, was like, I'm going to make an insanely detailed fantasy world that's just taking the piss out of fantasy, but also also happens to be really fucking funny and good. And like, I like satire that loves the subject. Mm. The 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 Canadian hardcore band fucked up. Spent a lot of time making bizarre metatextual jokes about hardcore in their music by like writing a song called Police. That's a completely generic song about the police, and that's the joke. It means it's the most empty, ridiculous anti-police song. All the lyrics are hysterical. One of the lyrics is shitty band, the police. It's just like – and they turned it into an actual anthem or, or, or their song Generation where the lyrics are Generation, holding my breath, no hesitation, freedom or death. And they're like, we just wrote the most generic, idiotic thing that sounds anthemic. And that's the joke. And yet it is also a completely anthemic, awesome song. So I think if you can have one foot in either side of the thing where, you know, with Shaun of the Dead, they're making fun of the conventions of the zombie movie and yet painting an absolutely loving portrayal of of, of what that can be at its finest and telling a real story despite it being, you know, basically a comedy – I think it's just it's awesome when you can celebrate a genre, send it up, and then also really bring it home, and and that's what we get across this trilogy. I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it a lot because that is the strange part is that you know if you're to compare this to the scary movie series, say, which is also a satire playing off of tropes of, especially in this case, horror. Uh, you can see such a huge difference where that one is all about just making fun of it and. I mean, it tickled your funny bone a little bit more than mine, but uh, ultimately it really wasn't trying to make a good movie. I would say Shaun of the Dead is one of the best zombie movies where if you even just got like, it's just not even because it's a funny takedown or like look at zombie movies. It's actually a very good zombie movie. So it does both, as you're saying. It, it not only satirizes the material and uses that for play, but it also still tries to stay true to the source material. Yeah, and I think like, the tone of scary movie is Scream is fucking stupid. Right, which is a really dumb take because Scream is also, like Scream is much more like Shaun of the Dead. It's like it's such a f- weird thing for a scary movie to have tried to tackle when Scream itself is already tackling the same idea. Well, it's like when Rift Tracks did a Starship Troopers episode and thus ended my relationship with that entire practice of like, I oh, this is dumb. Shit. This shit fucking sucks. It's so lazy. Like the whole idea of like seeking out stupid things just to mock them. It's just it, – I think it's cowardly. I think it's boring. Like I, I think the, the best satire invites you really close to the subject and brings you in like uncomfortably like empathetically towards it. And then that makes you really consider what is at play. So I don't know. I, I, I Yeah, the arm's distance. Whoa, that's dumb. That shit sucks. It's very one note. It ages poorly. And yeah, again, like with the Rift Track Starship Troopers thing, you, you end up looking stupid because you don't get the joke. Yeah, I, I went to a, a screening. I don't even know. I, I think I thought when I went that it was actually going to be a live with the the Rift Track kids doing their thing. Yes, but those was... famous sprightly young men behind Rift <laughs> yeah. Tracks, the, uh, the youngest <laughs> men in showbiz. Uh, they were not there. It was just a... Like, I could have watched this on YouTube. I don't know why I went. My brother invited me. I should stop hanging out with him. I Thankfully, I don't have to anymore. But Yeah, thank God for COVID, huh? Yeah. Ugh. Again and again, I just keep thinking, well, thank God for COVID. I don't have to hang out a, with my a brother A real boon. Anymore. Right, exactly. 
Well, social. I, I had to socialize yesterday. Oh, really? And it's like, yeah. When you get back into it after all the COVID isolation, it's like, you know what? This socializing business was uh, overrated. Why are we ever doing it? I don't know. I can text someone whenever I want. You know, one hundred and fifty thousand deaths is, uh, I think, a fair price to pay for learning of the poor social skills that we were exhibiting before. Well, I mean, as a white guy with a lot of free time and disposable income, um, if I've learned some kind of lesson from something, it was worth it for everyone. Right. The cost? I've developed somehow, I think. I couldn't really say how uh, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It's, the, it's the principle that I have somehow uh, – something – Something happened uh, to it was it, that also doesn't matter. It okay. Just, it's none of I'm it matters. Uh-huh. Yeah. Trying to put a finger on. I was. I learned something. Uh, don't have to hang out with my brother anymore. Oh well, yeah. That right. Okay, we learned that you don't have to hang out with Philip anymore. Right. And that shit owns. So you know what? Let's make friggin' lemonade out of the friggin' COVID lemon, huh? I, I mean, I gotta say that. Uh, I'm so glad you brought up the lemon thing because a lot of people are going on and on like, oh, COVID is the lemon, COVID is the lemon. I might be out there saying COVID is the sugar. COVID is the water. COVID are all the other ingredients you need to make lemonade in. So what's the lemon? Well, the fucked up world... Well, hold on. I hadn't really gotten that far yet, but I think So the I can... world is the lemon and right, no, COVID here, li- added sugar and water to it? Right, because it realized that Say in the example of hanging out with my brother Philip. Oh yeah, that was a lemon. Oh, oh, I, I was okay, then the doing COVID that. Is, you don't COVID. have to hang out with COVID. Is the elixir the it's syrup? Elixir. Okay, the that syrup. is allowing me to see the 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 problems in the world. Right, and but I the guess world I already is still said, a lemon. No, no, no. I understand the hundred fifty thousand deaths is not great. It's not. I mean, it's it's not great. But yeah, to show me that hanging out with my brother, right. Like, it's, yeah. it's the sugar. It's the water. Well, people get so caught up in numbers and... I know. What is Human life. And I don't know if... Maybe, maybe that's shallow of us, you know? Maybe there's these spiritual revelations that are also kind of important. And maybe you can't put a number on realizing you have to hang out with your brother because of COVID. But maybe, maybe you know, this numbers game we're playing, maybe that's really... That's the lemon. The, that's the lemon. That's one of the and lemons. The COVID is the sugar, and Philip is the water, and not no, hanging no. out with him. Philip okay. is the lemon. Right, but what's, okay. What we're going to do is this. I'm going to write down right. everything. I don't in, have a pen. Oh, I have a pen. I found a pen. Okay. I'm going mean, to. I'm going to do it. You don't need. Okay. You don't need to do this. Well, I think if we both do it, we can figure it out quicker. Okay. I'm going to write down COVID lemon. But wait, it's not Philip. No, no, you do water. No, I'm just. It's like a, I'm just getting a word cloud going. Sugar. Wait, did you do the thing where you like make? Did you like actually draw the little cloud, the little cloud bubble around it? That's the first no, I'm just, step. I'm writing the words down. I'm going to yeah, circle the words. I'll I don't think it's. A, circle. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm coming okay, from a different. I got a little pen on my desk. One sec. Okay, I circled them. I'm, I'm, I'm from a there school. There we go. So that, you, well, it should look more like a cloud, you know, so you don't you know that it's like a oh, like a puffy cloud. Okay, right, right, right. right. I'll make it. Like a thought bubble, uh, okay. you know. It looks well, okay. I, I already drew one circle, so now it looks like a flower, kind of. So now it's like puffier. Now, is that better? Uh, yeah. That's. I mean, it doesn't. Okay, look I'm good. gonna start linking the words. Well, I'm look. Maybe. Do you think? You, oh, you think the Mona Lisa? He just fucking busted that out in one fucking sketch. He yeah. probably had to do a dozen of those fucking things. I heard that Ooh, it was smile, kind of. What it's not even called the Mona Lisa. Really? That's what someone told me. Who told you that? 
I think uh, the internet. What's it called then? That's fucking mm, weird. Everyone calls know. it that. All right. Uh, hold on. I'm going to do a little research here. Okay. You do that. Meanwhile, okay. I'm going to just start linking some things together. Okay, I'm going to draw a lemon with the word COVID on it. How's that sound? Uh, the lemon looks pretty there. good. Oh, look at this lemon. I did a pretty good job with the lemon. That's incredible. It's got the little bips. With the little bips. I'm going to write COVID on it. Wow. Okay, COVID is on the lemon. Now I'm going to draw a glass of water. And okay, ooh, that, that turned out poorly. We'll have to get this on the site somehow. I don't know. Yeah. How you're the you, tech just guy. Take a, you can just take a picture of it. Okay, I'm going to. Uh, I've labeled the glass of water Philip over there. See, he's the glass yeah. of water. It's a little out of focus. You're still in focus, but I got it. Okay, yeah, I'm going to draw now an arrow connecting the lemon to the water. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's the arrow. So now you see the lemon. It's going into the Philip water, and the lemon is COVID, and the sugar is going to be called not hanging out with Philip. How do you draw sugar? I think just I like a, a mound. Yeah, like just I would start dots? with a. So I would start with a parabola. You know, like a in, in calculus. You know, like the. Yeah. Okay. And you measure the curve, and then just fill it with little dots, and then maybe. Put oh, a, that's clever. And then maybe draw an okay, ant. That, honestly, and, uh, that turned out really good. That turned out pretty good. So there's the. Oh yeah, can you draw okay, a little ant stealing a, a little grain of sugar? Yeah, I'm drawing a little ant. You know, Edgar Wright famously almost struck an ant man. That's true. Okay, you can feel it. You can Rook. still feel it. Yeah. Okay. It has that. You know, it has that energy to it. Like you know, Peyton Reed did a great job. I love those movies. But okay, I drew the ant. So I'm going to label the sugar not hanging out with Philip. Okay, I ran out of room really quick. Yeah. Okay. You need a bigger piece of paper. I think this is why they tried to get get rid of paper. It's always too small. Okay, so I've labeled the sugar not hanging out with Philip. So I know you I'm just gonna now a- draw. I'm going to draw an arrow now connecting that to the glass of water. So what we have here is Philip, your brother, is the glass of water. COVID is the lemon, and the sugar is not hanging out with Philip. Yes. And together you get lemonade. I, I mean, I know you just spent a lot of time on that, and I know well, the sugar list- looks good. The parabola idea was actually all right. Hey man, that's pretty I, good. I did not. I thought I would never use calculus again, but you know what they told you. I don't know what calculus is. <laughs> if I'm being honest with you, uh, I took it for about eight months and then dropped out because I was failing it. Or maybe not eight months because I don't. I took it. I took it basically until I could drop out without having it show up as a failure for me. Even though it was a failure, and it should have showed up as a failure because oh boy, did I not understand calculus. Well, we were having a little uh, afternoon get together with our beloveds the other day, and we were talking actually at great length about math and our. Uh, inability, yeah, to learn well, it. Why were you? Why? Why? Why were you talking about math? I can't remember. That no. was days ago. Oh, it was too hot. We should have hung out in a cooler day. Yeah, we should have definitely. It was hung out way too it. hot. Yeah, or we should have just like, oh, you know what we found? Oh, wait, we should do this. I might bleep this out so people don't just camp out where I'm going to tell you we should go next time. Yeah, but, bleep it out. Okay, but next time, well, like we went to after our gathering at i'm gonna bleep all that out good it's under shade the water is cool it's spaced out we just like stood in the river and had a great time so next time we should go like three miles north mm, i guess it's just direct north it's yeah, northeast three, it's a little east, east. A little north bit. northeast yeah. uh, three miles north northeast and just hang out at that sounds great and me and Allie just got our water shoes in the mail that's so that's the other thing is I should get right. some water shoes. Because I, go... I find that the location that you have indicated that our listeners can only imagine, I find the the bottom of that body of water to be quite gushy. 
It's either gushy or rocky. Yes. Neither is good. We were up in Vermont when I proposed to my beloved at this beautiful lake in Vermont. The All ground right. was the, the bottom of the lake was was that wonderful sandy, rocky, but like good. No gush. You know, so no gush. I can't figure out if that's a proof for God or a proof for the absence of God. Is that not all lakes have that perfect bottom? And maybe we need in life the non-perfect bottom to understand the perfect bottom. And and I'm talking about the bottoms of lakes. Yeah, we're not talking about friggin' Rihanna. Because <laughs> <laughs> her uh, bottom, she's a uh, just a, a she's a curvy woman, and her bottom. Uh... Yeah. So she- Shaun of the Dead came out in 2004. I found, Charles, in my research, a ticka, 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 as you texted to me last night when you initially pitched what seemed like the most insane version of this series. <laughs> I, to this day, I don't even know how you thought we would do a three-hour record and then segment it. I think we would go absolutely insane. Well, that's what I wanted because uh, – so, yes, just for listeners, I while at work, I was like – Josh is very hard to lock into recording sessions. So let's try to kill two birds with one stone. I'm sorry. Did you have something to... We did fine. We had one plan. We had a backup. We used the backup. Don't throw me in the fucking bus. I'm sorry. I shouldn't come in with that energy. My beautiful fiance is lying in bed right now on a Sunday morning. And here I am grinding out compelling content with you and a Mm -hmm. big old donkey's I mean, with hazelnut, unsweetened, and almond milk. I so honestly, very refreshing. Right? Maybe we should, rather than the lemonade business, we should just be talking about when life gives you donkeys, drink it up, baby. Well, I mean, part of the COVID experience is that now I get very excited to go to the donkeys drive-through. <laughs> like, we have coffee at home, but like, I don't. It's like so fun to like have something to do outside of the house. Like, right? Go you're through like a drive-through. You're doing it safely, but like. I work now in a pretty, I, I would say, a very safe environment. But I also work across from the street from a place that has open, like indoor dining that's open. And I'm just like you can see the desperation of people who like just want to go do something. And thankfully, my our, we have to use the bathroom in there. Well, this is not the thankful part. I wish I could not use the bathroom in there. But when we go inside, it's like completely empty because everyone still is trying to stay outside. So Massachusetts, the Commonwealth, the Bay Air, the Bay State. We're doing it. I think we're doing pretty good with it. The the rates are rising, my friend. We're doing oh. better than fucking Texas and Florida, maybe, but it's still it's rising. And I, I expected it would happen in the summer, but yeah. like it's, I'm saying, it's we're not. It's not trending in a good way right now. I'll say no. that. No, and most people think of trending as a good thing, but in right, this case, like you know, famously, if you're trending on Twitter, it's usually for a good reason. Yeah. Well. Maybe not all the time. It's usually like because you're so beloved, not right. because you said something or whatever. Yeah. Um. Uh, hmm. You were saying something. You're talking about. Well, something. I found the Rosetta Stone. You're talking about shitting or something at work. Yeah. I, I shit. I have to. So there's. A, I have idiotic neighbors in my office. I now have to go down to the sub basement of the building to shit in a oh, right. women's room with no lights in it. At this point, they've turned off the automatic lights. So I turn on my cell phone flashlight, and I have to go down like four stories to a basement, and then rush into the very far back of a an empty shitting stall. And it's very surreal. Like, that's my new daily shit situation. And I will say, 10 o'clock every day, buddy, I'm taking a shit. Right on schedule. That's why you asked to start the record at 10.02? Yeah, I had to bust out some nugs. Uh, No, I actually haven't shit today, just as a little behind-the-scenes thing. Me neither. 
Uh, I do like that your bathroom routine now is very reminiscent of something out of a Douglas Adams book, sort of to bring home the just the sucky nature of being a, a Bay State Bay State wacko. Well, it's something about England and New England, and I think it's powerful in the Jewish tradition and also in the French existentialist tradition, just like the utter banality and constant dehumanization of life and um, like how low your expectations need to be at all times. And something that I love about the Cornetto trilogy is that uh, basically all of them end with the dumbest, like, like, like the, like the, some, like the lamest outcome, like in a, right. in a loving way, but like other than the world's end, which deserves it's a full hour onto itself. Um, you know, shot of the dead and hot fuzz end with people being like, okay, yeah, you know, right. All right. You know, and, yeah, and so I got I got to live a life. I got to you know maybe I have to be more responsible or more emotionally present and less of a dick. But you know, no one becomes anything they weren't already. Right. No. I well, yeah. I th- I think the happy ending of Shaun of the Dead is is sort of I don't know. I, I think it's a misconception because it's only happy for Shaun. Nick Frost turns into a zombie. Um. Kate, Kate, Liz, she turns into the version of herself that she doesn't want to be. His mom dies. His stepfather dies, who he realizes he's been blaming his whole life for his problems when, in fact, he's the piece of shit that caused all the problems. Like, this is a movie about a selfish piece of shit who sacrifices everyone so that he does not have to change. Well, so let me uh, share. I found an interview with the, the lovable lads the 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 bloody uh, the pissers who made this movie um this is like I, I, it's like a draft house an Alamo draft house interview from the early aughts and i i'd never read this interview before and i really was i found it quite fascinating so um here's a segment from that interview here's the interviewer i got from your film the idea that the heroes sort of wish to be zombies in a way and here's simon peck Definitely at the start of it, you know, with Sean lying around and all that and not wanting to take any positive action of, of any sort. But by the end, we'd like to say that it takes a zombie invasion to, to turn Sean into a human being. We thought of our actual zombies really as innocents. Romero saw them as these carnivorous consumer shoppers in Dawn of the Dead, but we just saw ours as just totally blameless. They just somehow slide into zombification. That was our kind of politicism. And then here's mm-hmm. Edgar Wright. I think they definitely want to take it easy at first. That's right. They want to drink and eat and play PlayStation. They rely, like we all rely, on things that we're comfortable with. That pub in the movie is based on our favorite pub back home. The whole idea of a lot of those early shots in the film is to draw a strong connection between the routine of your average guy and the shuffling mindlessness of your average zombie. We didn't even want to use the word zombie. We wanted to sort of take a look at what it would be like if people we knew started seeing these ghouls wandering around their neighborhood. I'd wager that it would take a good long time before they realized that the monsters weren't just drunks or addicts falling down on the street. There's something inherently funny about most horror scenarios, after all. But as to your point that it seemed like the characters preferred that state of lying around, I think that's interesting. I mean, even after Sean realizes what's going on, he takes all of his friends back to the pub. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems like maybe from that interview answer, they don't even really sort of that whole thing of like the intention of the author isn't really important because what they created was the guy that takes people back to the pub. So, because Simon Pegg seemed to be like, no, this is a story where at the end he does go through some sort of change. And Edgar Wright's like, well, maybe he's not. They don't seem to really even know. And if you just watch the movie, it's like pretty clear that Simon Pegg is like a real piece of shit. (laughs) 
I, that's my takeaway from the movie. And especially if you watch the rest of the series, like these are about sad people that don't know how to change. And I'm not, maybe not a piece of shit, but it's like these are people that are so, as they're talking about, stuck in their routines that the right. idea all of, of his heroicism is not to transform the world, but to protect exactly the world that he loved in the first place. Right. And so it's not about Liz. It's not about his mom. It's not about his friend. It's about the world that has all those things in it that he does not want to change. And even though now there's a zombie apocalypse, he's going to do everything he can to pretend that it isn't here. Yeah. Well, then at the end of the interview that I thought was really fascinating. Um, okay. So th- this is great. This is some really wonderful early aught stuff. Uh, the interviewer asked Simon Pegg to talk about the basis of his Marxist thesis on Star Wars. So <laughs> here's Simon Pegg's Marxist thesis on Star Wars. The notion of consent being that when a film has inherent ideologies, by watching without being critically objective, you implicitly consent to those ideologies. It wasn't just about Star Wars. It was about a lot of those fantasies. You know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The sexuality of C-3PO came up, I think. But what's really fascinating now about those films and this notion of consent is this thinking that weapons of mass destruction are A-OK in the hands of the righteous, but bad in the hands of the bad. The Force is good. The Death Star is bad. And the most brilliant thing in the most brilliant thing is the idea in Raiders that if you open the WMD box, release all the shit, just so long as you don't look at it, everything's going to be all right. Just the way the films reflect this sort of post-Vietnam America where there's a lot of ambiguity morally and suddenly there's this film that's clear cut. It's Bush's America, isn't it? Axis of Evil versus the Neocons. That's pretty cool. So he, he comes back to that later. I think we're going to tie this into what we're talking about. Um so then the interview goes, huh, interesting about zombies and consent. And Peg continues, absolutely. I mean, we've come to a place where we fear ourselves again. The zombie radicals walking among us. The enemy within. The notion that killers are walking around inside of us. Less the bioparanoia, the body horror stuff. The zombie thing is popular again, I think, because we're our own worst enemy again. Yeah. So, I, mean, the... I think the, the idea of, of, these, of Shaun of the Dead is like a reaction to post-Vietnam moralism in film via Spielberg to be like, maybe there aren't heroes. Maybe we Mm -hmm. don't do heroic things. Maybe we don't transform the world because maybe this idea that good people transforming the world is as delusional as the idea that there is objective, any sort of objective good to begin with. It's like, it's interesting. I just started listening to the podcast blowback, which is now free. You don't have to sign up for stitcher premium anymore. Thank God. Um, I don't know. Did you hear about that show? No, I have never heard of blowback. What's blowback? Oh, it's cool. Uh, it's um, a ten-part miniseries on the war in Afghanistan and everything leading up to it. I highly recommend it. I'm only two episodes in. But so how'd that how'd that turn out? The Afghanistan thing. Oh, I I mean I haven't finished the show yet, but so far it sounds pretty good. Hey, no spoilers, okay? <laughs> I won't spoil a thing. But no, I like Got this him. this whole idea that I I mean on the one hand. I think I do have some, is it sympathy or empathy, or maybe both, for boomers, because they their entire fucking lives were fed government-censored news, and that's the only way they had access to the world, was through government-censored and written news, basically. And if you, like, watch how, like, that's why we talked on our Patreon show about, like, the Big Lebowski. We didn't really talk about it too much, but, like, the use of the George Bush clip about, you know... This aggression against Kuwait cannot stand. Is that pretty good? That was, uh, yeah, that was fine. I think for you, certainly, who I would say is universally terrible at impressions, that was pretty good. 
I used to be known as the impersonator back in the day, but I guess my wait, title... on, they call wait like they called you the impersonator. Right. Remember during our Terminator series? Oh God! I mean, that was so long ago. That was a pre-COVID series. I mean, God, Mama Mia. Yeah. Does it even exist? Um, yeah. It's just the uh, the way that we saw. Like, yes, after Vietnam, the government had no choice but to paint, teach every single child and every single adult that America is good. And then we are the heroes and Star Wars. And look at this. If you it, like, that's a really great point from Simon Pegg that we learn through culture and news and everything that America is great. Well, even we when are the good Lucas guys. was trying to depict the, you know, Ewoks as the Vietnamese against the American or the colonial empire. I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, a hundred percent. People just wove all of that into this, like, because again, the, the c- contemporaneous to that is Stallone and Schwarzenegger and all of these movies about like might makes right and you know supremacy and Cobra st- has a big fucking cock and a big fucking gun and he's just the truth, mm. man. He doesn't yeah. care about the rules. So it's weird that these these British. We were talking. I think it's, it's the British do have this strange. They have a much different relationship to their crimes against the world. And it's not to say we are great. It's to sort of just not even mention it and be like, oh, everyone's sort of sort of sad and bad. And let's just sort of like they are the some Well, I mean, of you're saying worst. this in a post-Brexit. I mean, there's still there's still ample British nationalism. I just mean in their culture. Like we, we have like these huge, strong heroes in our TV and movies. And they sort of always have had the weak, bumbling fools. And well, Hitchcock famously despised the police and went out of his way to depict police at, at all times as incompetent and useless. And yeah. yes, like the the post imperial, you know the 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 waning role of of England on the world stage, the the post Churchill reality of how weak and and divided and 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 you know incredibly class oriented. I mean, like yeah, like England English culture, I think frequently focuses on its shortcomings in a way that america i'm just gonna i'm trying to make a point based on absolutely no evidence that to me it feels like our response to uh, being a global leader and a global demon and just fucking around with everything is to propagandize everything throughout culture to show that as you said might might is right and like we are the good guys and they're the bad guys and we must destroy them where the british were like yeah we uh sucked and that's because everyone sucks and we're weak and our, our country is run by fools and they like they seem to love like from faulty towers to the thick of it to all these shows about people to the office all these people in power being complete losers and morons and like that's their excuse is that well we're all morons and losers so isn't it it's not a surprise that we fucked up everything i think the problem with american culture is that this supremacy is so ingrained in it that like even with something like so the english office is a harrowing show yeah about a guy whose life means nothing and the last episode of the second season of the first proper run is genuinely upsetting when he when by the end of it this you know bumbling fool coasting on empty bravado starts sobbing and begging for his job because it's the only thing that has any meaning to him. It's not funny. It's deeply upsetting. Yeah. You know, and fucking Tim and Pam don't end up together. It doesn't work out. Their, their empty office romance meant nothing and they're not going to be together. They're not going to take a risk. They're going to, you know, and then you have the American version where, 
we can't help but love the bumbling Michael Scott because mm. he's, he's a good guy at his core. And, and Jim and Pam, they really do love each other and they overcome their differences and, and have this like incredibly flavorless, textureless relationship that's just decent. And this the fact that American comedy can't go to that other level in its most popular forms really says something because like, you think about like, you know, you look at Jon Stewart versus Chris Morris, okay? So you have like – the Daily Show, which is like, you know, Republican stupid, you know, and then you have Chris Morris who's like with Brass Eye and his other shows, uh, like news is a lie. The right. depiction of reality as you know it is a manipulation. Disturbing things happen constantly and you there's no language for it. It's just this uh, this unending sense of like – and I think that then we have like in America like Lynch on the other hand who goes to this other extreme of like complete obliqueness – that I actually find quite tiresome at times. But like his depiction of American culture is this like maximalized, surreal, completely saturated insanity that isn't satiric. It, it's just like perverse and grotesque and fascinating. But like the fact that you have some British satire that manages to really sit in that complex middle area of where like mediocrity, the limits of what can be accomplished, like it feels more human in a way because there's that sense of despair that's so acute. Yeah. Well, I think you might have pointed out that like during the, uh, the rise of television, the rise of film, the media that we are experts on and analyze daily even oh my god hourly i don't know if if listeners know this we we do this shit in our free time too okay in our sleep yeah i dream this shit hell yeah i once i dreamed that my one-eyed dog had two eyes the other day it's really beautiful that's lovely yeah would you would you change wink's name to blink (laughs) Mm, no just mm, is that really no because she'd still yeah mm, yeah uh mm, yeah Wow, we really saw the whole the little wheel buffer there for a minute. Uh, you were saying earlier that during the uh, the rise of all this, we were we were increasing our dominance as a global player, while the British was sort of falling apart. And I wonder if that might be the reason for the the change in tone between these two different superpowers. And one's like, oh, we're falling apart, and this is why everyone sucks, and the other's like, no, we're the good guys. We will bomb every fucking thing because we are right. I don't know. This is probably outside of our purview. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I uh, In doing research on this movie, I, I, I stumbled into all of this incredible shit talking from uh, Edgar Wright and those guys on other zombie movies. But they fucking hate 28 Days Later. They're like, that really, really? fucking sucks ass. Danny Boyle's an idiot. Why would – like a fast zombie defeats the entire – like to them, the fascination with zombies is that they're shitty and decrepit and shuffling and yeah. useless. I think- and I like that they're like 28 Days Later, it, it, it like needlessly perverts the idea of the zombie movie by making them these superpowers. Death is not an energy drink I think is the uh, the quote. I, that's actually a really cool point. I think I personally really like fast zombies as a – to watch a movie because I'm sort of – I – get bored in watching a horror movie watching shamblers um but like i think this one's successful because it's not as you said like they don't really use the zombie to elicit scares uh but i i do think i think yeah the zombie the current zombie is much more like a disease movie or even a vampire movie rather than the traditional sense of what zombies represent so that is an interesting idea of perverting it 
Yeah, my beef with 28 Days Later, this is Edgar Wright, uh, is that Danny Boyle really tried to take the air out of the genre. He said he didn't like them, he didn't respect them or something, and insisted on calling his film a thriller or something like that. I didn't like that. The new Dawn of the Dead, though, Zack Snyder, it's not really a remake, is it? It's more like a good action movie than a zombie movie. Yeah, and I think that's... I don't know that we need more... I think, like all horror, you sort of see the flow of what they're interested in, and I think the reason why the fast zombie took over is that we had different fears and different things that we wanted to talk about. And while the, like the shambling nature is always, I guess, a relevant part of our culture. I mean, you can't really just keep doing that for 50 years. I think we needed a change and I'm, I'm glad it happened. But I, I really, I sort of understand why Edgar Wright might not like it. Well, it just makes you think like, what is the zombie as a metaphor? You know, I love that book. I think I've mentioned this in the podcast before. Forgive me. I'm obsessed with it. Mary Shelley's book, The Last Man. It's a book about a plague killing off everyone in the world. But the plague is not a metaphor. It's just like it's literally everyone's just dying. There isn't like – and so I always wonder like, you know, are zombies a metaphor or are they just a reality in this movie? Like is, is it – and mm. I think this movie confronts it less like a metaphor in a way that, like, I think in 28 Days Later, it's like, what if we were overcome by, like, a vicious hunger that turned us into, like, rage-powered lunatics? And, like, and, and this movie, I think, is is not like that, where the zombies aren't a metaphor. It, the zombies cast light just on the basic day-to-day reality that they're commenting on, as opposed to, like, heightening something about human character internally. I really like that idea. I think that maybe is why this is, for me, one of the most successful zombie movies is because it isn't like, it's so boring to rewatch the original Dawn of the Dead and be like, all right, yep, this is a takedown on consumer capitalism. Like, cool. And then it's very boring and I just see people like pushing mobs of people around. But yes, you're right. This is like, and as they said in their interview, they're just saying like, what if we just sort of realized that there's zombies in all of us and it isn't really even a metaphor it's just if we were confronted with a zombie what would that make us do Mm. so it is much more of like an internalized look and using the zombie to metaphorize other things so nick frost kept his genitals shaved throughout the production to create a genuine need to scratch i heard so i watched Shaun of the dead with a commentary and with the edgar wright simon Pegg commentary and apparently like they got when he scratches his pubic hair that's like they actually like got a foley of him scratching his own pubic hair. Mm. So That's good. I guess I guess he shaved the balls but left the tuft intact. Well, I, I, me and my uh, me and Allie were talking about this. We the pubic mound. Everyone has a pubic mound, right? It's not it doesn't. There's no differentiation of terms between uh, you know, assigned sex. It's just everyone has a pubic mound. I I, I don't know. Are you asking a question or giving me information? I'm asking a question. I'm going to Google pubic mound really quick. Okay. I think everyone has a pubic mound. I don't think like, you know. We should get this right because I don't want to. Is a mound a funny thing? So the mons pubis is the mound of fatty tissue covering the pubic area in women. Okay, so do do men not have? No, I don't. What's our thing called? We don't have a thing. But there's that area of something over your penis that, I mean, what was just like the the area? The zone? Yeah, the, the loins. The groin. Although present in both men and women, the mons pubis tends to be larger in women. Okay. okay. I mean, yeah, I think... Its fatty tissue is sensitive to estrogen, causing a distinct mound to form with the onset of female puberty. It pushes the forward portion of the labia majora out and away from the pubic bone. The mound also becomes covered with pubic hair. 
I feel like if you were to draw one of these, you might start with a parabola. Okay, the, the I have to tell you, the Wikipedia page for Mons Pubis is wild. <laughs> All right, we'll have a link in the episode description. Yeah, they have a they have a ritual uh, Mons Pubis scarification from Japan, the Hanabira. Hmm. And then they also have uh, genital piercings. They they really I wasn't expecting the Mons Pubis article to get quite this. I don't know I mean, why. It's, it's just a lot of specificity. It seems like, uh, I mean, that's the beauty of Wikipedia is that if someone out there has the specificity. Spe- uh, specificity. Jesus I'll Christ. Just, there's not that much text on the page, but there's there's like, oh, there's, you know. There's pictures? There's three pictures, which seems like a lot. If you look at this, the ratio of text to pictures on the Mons Pubis right. page, you're really getting. Hold on, everybody. A lot of bang for buck. Yeah, put down okay, my you should probably look it up. Look at this yeah. too. Um, oh, by the and way, I have to say the the Mons Pupus <laughs> image they chose is uh, well, I don't know. Let's get your reaction. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this, I can see what you mean. This is graphic. It, it's it's someone pulling down bikini bottoms <laughs> to reveal a completely shaved Mons Pupus, <laughs> which seems like a very specific choice. <laughs> And then it, the, uh, the uh, description of the picture is Mons pubis and then the parenthet- parentheses. parenthetical with pubic hair removed. And pubic hair is a blue link. So that's nice. Right. So they've really separated out pubis, pubic hair from that. Oh, my God. So then you click the pubic hair link. <laughs> the first image you see on that is a naked mole rat because it's on the larger <laughs> hair article. This is wow. insane. This is this is why we need to kill everybody. Josh, should we start a Wikipedia podcast? There's too oh much information. God. I just I can't stress this enough. You click on pubic hair and then you cut to <laughs> an image of a naked mole rat next to an article on human hairlessness. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to make I don't a, understand this. I'm going to make a YouTube video of this interaction we have and just sort of help people along the road that we just traveled, the journey we went through. Wow, we've learned so much in this episode. Um, what were you talking about? <laughs> Why are you talking about the Mons Pubis? Oh, we were talking about uh, Nick Frost scratching his junk. Yeah, you were, and, and you were saying he, uh, you were talking with uh, your beautiful sleeping fiance about something about. Oh, we were just talking about like is it is it like gendered? The, is Mons Pubis stuff gendered or or sexually specific? And we've learned a lot about that. I think that's what we got into here. Okay. Well, that was worth it. That's some good stuff. That was worth it. You know, it. we took a we took a little walk there, and you know what? We came back with a hairless mole rat. We so, <laughs> we, uh, I feel pretty good about that. So let me see. We this is a beloved movie. I don't really think we have hot takes on it, other than to say that it's wonderfully made. Uh, one of the more delightful things is that it, this was a very cheap movie, and they had to enlist eleven hundred fans of the sitcom Spaced, mm. which of course I'm one the of core them. creative team came back from. You're not in the movie. No, 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 I'm saying, I'm sorry, I'm a fan. I did not contribute, but I am one of the fans that didn't contribute. But I do like the show. Yeah. Do you mind if I tell you a little story about the show? Oh, Charles, I'm pulling up a chair right now, popping a squat. Wait. Sing to me one of your wonderful stories. Uh, Well, um, I I got introduced to Spaced because uh, our local video rental store every year did a, uh, like a trivia quiz. And the top three winners of the quiz all got prizes. Um, but it was very strange. It was like when I was in college and the Greek professor realized that almost all of her students would fail. So she gave her final as a take-home test. 
And she said, don't use your book, but you can do it at home. So, of course, everyone used their book. So, in the same way, they gave away this, like, take-home trivia quiz where they gave out actual prizes where all we did was just look up the answers. So, me, my girlfriend at the time, and one of our roommates all just looked everything up, submitted them, and always three years in a row got the first, second, and third prize. Um. And in one of those years, is that the story? Well, in one of the years, the the first prize was the DVD box set of Spaced. That's a new low for you. I thought you froze there. That's a truly boring story. Well, I mean, I thought it had some highlights. You know, we we cheated. That's everyone likes a good cheat story, and um, right. But normally, the cheating, like, I mean, did you win the Spaced box set? Oh yeah, yeah. That's how I. That's how I watched it. My brother for years was like, oh, you should watch Space. You're going to love Space. You should watch Space. And I was like, all right, Philip, hold your horses. And Maybe you could tell the story like this. You know, one time, I actually, I got the I got into Space because I cheated in a quiz. And let me tell you how. Okay, so you think leading with a little more pizzazz. Would... Leading with the interesting part of the story, not sort of like meandering towards the point and then after the fact being like, and yeah, I guess that was the connection there. You know what I mean? Like you want to – in journalism, and I am, of course, an award-winning journalist, You, uh, the lead is the first line of the story and the whole idea is to capture the essence of what's going on so that people understand the significance of what you're talking about. Okay. Okay. Saying we used to compete in a pub quiz and then sometime mm-hmm. later arriving at – and uh, one of those uh, awards was uh, the box set. It wasn't a pub quiz. Oh, you missed God. the. I you regret. weren't listening. Okay. Because okay, let me. Well, I tuned out a little bit. It was the first. That was my lead. Was at a video rental store. They gave away take-home quizzes, and then I spent a, an elaborate amount of time talking about the quiz. That's, but it's not. That's so a it's bad not a, story. But I'm saying it's not a pub quiz. We didn't sit down at a pub. Yeah. Okay. Fine. I was. I was wrong about the pub quiz part. It doesn't make the story better that I was wrong about calling it a pub quiz. I don't know. My. I don't know. I'll, Jesus I'll make Christ. a poll. I'll make a poll. Hey, Emma, I got to tell you, it's. Uh, I know it's not 10 o'clock right now, but internally, we're getting towards 10 o'clock if you catch my drift. <laughs> it's shit. That donkey's doing its thing. <laughs> donkeys, 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 donkeys. donkeys. Uh, Charles, are you asking when will it end in the Cornetto trilogy, the movies that we so love and enjoy? Are you tired of them? You done with them? Don't want to watch the other ones? You're over them? Are you? Hmm. It's bad for it's you. Good closing point. the door. Well, this is sort of this is sort of why my original idea of doing one three hour record session is like why? Because of course I'm not asking it. No one thinks I am, and also I think the movies themselves devolve into like I think our mindset would have devolved as crazy as the next ones get and especially by the third one which is like basically a takedown of this entire first two i think we would have been in a very interesting mindset to talk about it but that's all right we'll do it differently well yeah i think the world's end weaponizes fantasy in a fascinating way and we'll get to that um okay so i I know that there's been there was there was an idea at some point for them to actually just do a sequel to Shaun of the dead or to do like i think uh uh, from dusk till Sean was one of the ideas. Like they had, they had other ideas of like vampires or like, and instead they pivoted. They go a different direction. They're like, let's look at action movies. Let's I like look that. At yeah, that would have been the English countryside nostalgia, the classic kink style exploration of English nostalgia and and uh, parochialism and and what have you. And uh, got a it took, what a three year break. Hot Fuzz of two thousand seven. Yeah. Wait, did, are you asking? Oh hell no! These movies fucking rule. Yeah. They're so important. They're so good. 
Uh, I mean, and we'll get into we'll get into our experiences with the other ones. But I mean, I think Shaun of the Dead was just like a DVD staple. I mean, it was a real. This was one of the early cult classics that I encountered, where it was like, as you've seen in my childhood home, I had a Shaun of the Dead. Well, I was just about over to, my bed. to talk about that. It was like every time I would come over, uh, and before, you didn't even tell me you had a guest room. You'd always just send me to your twin, like bad twin mattress. But you know, I got to sleep beneath the Shaun of the Dead poster every time, and I think it was worth it. And yeah, it's. I think that really, I, more than anything else, that's that's. A, I think the Shaun of the Dead poster. I asked about it when you moved. Are you going to take it with you? And you said no. It's staying in the the museum of my old bedroom. Well, my brother painted that. He's my my brother's bedroom, and he painted that wall red. So the Shaun of the Dead poster on the red wall just feels like why move it? It's been there for straight up fifteen years. Yeah, since the movie came out. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I got that from doubtless a blockbuster. It seems which is yeah, funny to think about because it's now. definitely yeah. like the DVD poster. I think not the oh, yeah. movie original movie poster. I mean, I, I just like you look back over your life, and I don't know because like Snatch was a huge movie for me, but I was you know I I would say yeah, this is up there with that kind of thing. It's like instantly entered a lexicon for me, yeah, like instantly. And there's not a lot of movies that I think have become touchstones that quickly like i think speed racer is on that list um it's it's a short list but i mean Shaun of the dead and i would say more so than hot fuzz and well the world's end's a very different movie which deserves its own conversation but i would say this one was just like unquestionably a grand slam and like it was the kind of movie the first time i saw it i was like this is a part of my cinematic life forever four points and it's remained there yeah, and I don't think I even really got it until a couple... Like, that's the beauty of it, is that on the surface, it is very funny. And it's like, oh, it's a satire of zombie movies and romantic comedies. And then I saw it again, and I was like, oh, this is, like, much sadder. And I think that's sort of... I think it maybe took watching The World's End to really see how sad all three of these movies are. And they're not funny. I mean, they are funny, but it's like the humor is that Everyone, like, they're all fucking sad and down in the dumps and just trying to forget all the, the bad things that are around them and do the best they can. Maybe to be less condemning of the movie, like, on that level of, like, is Sean a piece of shit or not, which you raised earlier, he just goes through this horrific trauma and he's left being like, God, these little things that I have are so meaningful to me and I'm going to treasure them. Waking up late on a Sunday, going to the Winchester, playing video against my friend, everything you know, can just go away and like, you know, everything is so ephemeral and fragile and the systems that we live in, certainly speaking now during COVID times, everything that that we have, you know, is so precious. Like watching a dead and company live stream on my couch with my friends last night was like one of the most emotionally meaningful things I've done this year. Cause like, you know, we're all just so desperate and threatened and traumatized and you, you see him go through this nightmare and he doesn't come out of it. Some like, Despite his heroicism, all he's trying to do is keep the basic things in his life that are important to him. And like maybe you don't go through these challenges and become some other thing. Though, of course, The World's End explores that to, in a much more I think complex way. For me, this would be a much less sad, like condemning movie about Sean if Liz weren't in it or if Liz were a different character. Because for me, Liz represents the a person that actually wants to change and wants to do something. And he sort of just forces her to become like him. And maybe it's sort of also showing that she actually doesn't really want that, but like she wants him to change in ways that would help them be a couple together. 
And in the end, she changes to be a better person for him. But hold on. Here's my counterpoint to that on like a Marxist materialist level. Maybe part of this movie, which again goes out of its way to satirize consumer culture in its own way, not and again in a much more complex way than Dawn of the Dead does. But like maybe there are just limits to the life that we lead in this post-capitalist, post-millennial, increasingly rotting, empty world where – yeah, Liz wants to rearrange chairs on the Titanic. What does it fucking matter if they go to the place with the fish versus the Winchester? Is that a substantive difference in the lives they're leading? Think, is yeah. drinking wine instead of beer? Like, I think that the point is that the basic human connection that they have is all that they have in a culture where there are not greater spiritual goals and not greater levels to ascend to. So hmm. maybe by the end of the movie, just preserving that basic love, that basic sense of humanity, who gives a fuck if, they either, if they're eating a Cornetto or a fancy fish dish? I love it. I think that's a good point. I think, uh, yeah, I think that does, every time I watch this movie and with your help, it's, it changes every time. And I think... I'm helpful. Yeah, you're helpful. Maybe you're the, the sugar. Oh, hold on. Let me get the thing do you back think, out. Do you think I'm the lemon? Okay, I'm going to relabel. I'm going to cross out not hanging out with Philip. Okay, yeah, because I sort of figured I'm gonna that one out. I'm going to write Josh. Yeah. Okay, so I've crossed out that part. I've, I've relabeled it Josh. Okay. Oh, yeah, the ant's I'm going to cross out Philip. The ant's fine, yeah. And re- call it Charles. So I'm the water? So what's the lemon? No, I thought I'm... Oh, you're the lemon? I might be the lemon. Okay, I'm going to cross out COVID and write Charles. So now I've crossed out Philip and Charles on the water. So I'm the sugar. We've got the ant. You're the lemon. What's the water? Is the water mm. movies or life? Yeah, both. Slash. Hey, what's, what's the difference? Okay. Right, right, right. Okay, so movies slash... Life. I can't write what's the difference. There's not enough space there. But I, 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 now As, the water says, I know it's out of focus, but just, that's all right. you know, I, we'll take I, a picture I, of it. Just take later. a picture of it. Send it to me. Okay. Well, we really got somewhere today. I'd like to uh, have a bowel movement now. So let's go ahead and say, well, well any final well, thoughts on Sean? Yeah, we just got to quickly, you know, the, uh, you introduced this oh, MVP. thing. You introduced MVP. this thing. Okay, yeah. And now every time uh, I have to bring it up, I have to be the one to be like, oh, remember, Josh, you want to go take a shit? I understand. But this thing that, I didn't really care about, but you thought was a really great idea. Now that it's getting in the way of your shitting, you don't seem to care about it anymore. Yeah, maybe I've changed. Maybe I've changed. Mm. Maybe COVID changed things for me. I don't know. So wait, maybe shit, I'm not perfect. You think sh- maybe I'm not perfect. The shit is the lemon. No, sorry. Oh, that's good. Okay, wait, no, no, cross no, out we, Charles. Okay. No? no? I mean, all right, yeah, let's do it. Shit's okay, the lemon. Cross out Charles. The shitting is the shitting. Oh, yeah, maybe when okay. God gives you shit, make shitterade. Make Shitterade. So then what's the water now? Because the water right now is movie slash life. <laughs> Let's keep it. Okay. And then I'm the sugar still. So it's the lemon is shitting. Nope. Okay. I'm going to cross so, out Josh and write wait, friendship with No, Charles. this is good because by the transitive property, you could have proven that I was shit. Well, now we're running out of space because I'm writing on the back of one of my business cards and we've now used up most of the negative space. Because if, if uh, in one example, you are both the, you're the sugar and movie slash life slash whatever is the water. And I'm the lemon, and you're. That's where you're, we left off. You replace shitting is the lemon. I'm saying you replace shitting with the lemon, but everything else stays the same. I think you could use a transitive property to create a new equation showing that I am shit. I don't know. But there's a middle part there that you're talking through that I don't understand. Okay, well it's math. We'll talk about math. Okay, well, another time. We'll put a pin in that. Okay, MVPs. I really have to go with Bill Nye because like Whoa. he's definitely he's sort of the heavyweight in the movie where he has to play the ultimate threat to Sean, which is this vision of maturity and conservatism that repulses him, that he can't wait to literally kill with a fucking bat. You know, this, this, 
this joyless, mean, curmudgeonly stepfather who he resents and and fears. And ultimately their exchange is kind of one of the most powerful moments in the movie. It is, yeah. Where where he's like, look, you don't be afraid of getting older. Don't be afraid of me. I'm not your enemy. Yeah. You know, I, and I think that that moment, if that didn't work, a lot of the back half of the movie I don't think would land as hard. But th- that's a powerful moment. And the fact that – I mean he's probably the most – dignified actor in the movie so that i think him showing up to commit it it's all gives it a heft like that's a crucial character if, if he's not compelling then a lot of that dynamic falls apart and i think he's fantastic that's a great point um i was listening to the commentary with simon Pegg and edgar wright and every once in a while i'd switch to other ones because they sort of like talked about oh and the other commentary will be talking about why uh, Nick Frost has a chunk of his hair missing and things like that. So I would sort of go back and forth. Uh, I will tell you that he is not an MVP at DVD commentaries because Jesus Christ, he and Penelope, uh, what's her name? Who plays his, I don't know. Anyway, he's the, the woman who plays his mom and she's, she's great. She's great. They're both great actors. They're both very bad at doing DVD commentaries. I don't think they really shots fired. I don't think they understand the, the technology, but anyway, I will be doing a very safe MVP. My original thought was to nominate the woman eating the bird because well, amazing, but no, I'm going to go with uh, Simon Pegg as, as Sean. I, I honestly like, I mean, I honestly, Nick Frost, it might even be just a double win because they're fucking perfect and they will always be perfect and this is the moment that i was introduced to simon Pegg, and uh he i this movie would not work without him hands down yeah well said so uh yeah join us next week and of course uh for we'll be watching hot fuzz and talking about that and uh, again i can't plug our patreon enough uh we've talked about the coen brothers filmography in great depth we've talked about southland tales all kinds of compelling fascinating things and uh who knows maybe a lot of fun with uh, josh and charles behind the paywall i don't know yeah it's uh patreon.com slash wwie podcast um yeah we have three subscribers right now so if you want to be one of those cool, like cutting edge people that's really in on the ground floor, I mean, who knows? You might be incredibly successful one day and you could be like, oh, I was one of the first five subscribers to the greatest podcast that ever was. We could be the next Amazon.com for podcasting. Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. Oh, that's us. Wait, is that the lemon? Okay, I'm going to take a shit. so cool that there's just shows all the time well you know it's feeling real void are you recording getting a little pre-roll yeah 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 of course i'm getting a little pre-roll too just want to make sure we're getting this pre-roll we're, we can't not get it can't not get that hot 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 pre-roll it's a rainy sunday morning baby oh it's raining it has been california for two months now got my duncan i got my coffee you ready to go, motherfucker? Let's do it. Hello and welcome. Oh, we do. We gotta do the countdown yeah, first. Yeah, I I, it's very helpful. Yeah. Okay. Very. You're so cute. Look at you in your dumbass beer shirt. Do you have any shirts that are not craft brewery shirts? Yeah, most of them aren't. I just okay. feel weird when I'm not wearing one. Naked. Okay. Five, four, three, three two, two one. one.